This is the Everyday Mind Podcast, the place where we come together to talk about living a life of notice, creating more connected relationships, and ditching the hustle as you establish the life and business you've always wanted. I'm Naftali Roberts, your host and guide, as we journey together exploring the everyday mind. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Everyday Mind. I have such a treat for you guys today. Today, I'm talking with the amazing Rose Loonsberry. She is a minimalism and simplicity coach who, when I had the opportunity to speak with her a few weeks ago, totally brought it. She showed up in so many different ways. I can't even tell you the level of value you're going to get out of the next 20, 25 minutes with Rose. Rose breaks down for us her own journey to recognize if she has enough in her life, in her stuff, and in her mind. She dives into the idea of having enough time and her own journey right now with that question. And she gives so many practical ways to take action in your home and mind. I know that each of you are going to find so many places that you can live out her actionable truth in your day-to-day life. Before we jump in, I just want to ask for you to pause and do one thing for me. I know that it can be so easy to listen to an amazing podcast and forget to leave a review, but it's really important. It's really important for a couple reasons. One, because it helps me to know that you guys are out there and you're listening and what you're wanting to hear more of, which helps me book amazing, awesome people to come on the show. But also, it really, really helps me to streamline what I talk about. I create this podcast each and every week for each of you, and so I want to know. Also, if you are listening to this episode between late April and early May in 2019, reviewing gives you the opportunity to enter our launch giveaway, which is going on right now, where we are giving away so many awesome things, a free month of coffee, a journal, the grand prize of a lot of different things, including a free coaching session with me. So if you want more detail about entering that giveaway, head on over to naftaliroberts.com backslash giveaway. And there you will find so many amazing ways that you can join our launch today. So Without further ado, here is my conversation with the amazing Rose Loonsberry. Welcome. I'm so excited that you're joining us today on The Everyday Mind. So before we get started, Rose, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your people, and your everyday life. Absolutely. Well, my name is Rose Lounsbury, and I am a minimalism and simplicity coach, which basically means I help people who are overwhelmed with their stuff 
get their life in order. I help them minimize, I help them declutter and that's physical stuff, but it's also some of those mental things, which I know we're going to talk about. So the people who like to interact with me tend to be overwhelmed women, maybe entrepreneurs or busy moms. And my goal is just to help them get to a point where they feel calm and peaceful in all of their surroundings, both at home and at work. Awesome. And what does your day-to-day life look like? Well, my day-to-day life, I have three kids. They are triplets, so they're nine years old. So on a typical day, a school day, I'm getting them up for school. If it's a really good day, I'm getting to yoga before that. So today I actually did get to yoga first. I got to yoga and then came home, got the kids ready and off to school. Uh, Then I come home and I'm working on my business. So that could be meeting with clients. I do meet with some clients in home. I meet with some clients virtually. Um, I'm also writing my blog, doing things like this, you know, doing podcasts, responding to emails and all those sorts of things. And then my workday ends around three o'clock when I go pick my kids up. And from then on, it is mommy mode. So I'm helping with homework, doing activities. My husband comes home around six or six thirty. So then there's dinner and family time and you know, my kids are in bed by eight or nine o'clock and I try to get myself to bed pretty quickly thereafter because I'm usually pretty exhausted by that point of the day. So it sounds like you, like many of us, have kind of a rinse and repeat kind of cycle. If we stopped right now and we could see into your everyday mind, what would we see? What thoughts, beliefs, Or feelings do you find yourself having that others might not believe you have because you're a minimalism and simplicity coach? That is a wonderful question because one of the things that I have, I'm always working on self-improvement. I feel like people who tend to be entrepreneurs, we tend to think in terms of self-improvement because it's being an entrepreneur is an act of self-improvement in a lot of ways. And so one thing that I've noticed that goes on in my head a lot that maybe people wouldn't realize is I often feel like I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is this sort of time scarcity mindset that I don't exactly know where it came from. I think it probably got worse when I had my triplets and I was teaching full-time at the time. So my, my prior job is as a teacher but I just felt like I never had enough time. And so it started to become this thing where I would think, well, because I have these kids, I don't have enough time to read books or because I have my kids, I don't have enough time to exercise or I have kids, I don't have enough time to do this. And so I think one of those thoughts that goes through my mind regularly is there's not enough time. But the thing is, it's totally false because Mm -hmm. everybody has the exact same amount of time. I don't have any more time than anyone else or any less time than anyone else I have the exact same amount of time as everyone else. Thus, I have enough time. I have enough time to do whatever I really want to do. But I think it's very easy for me and for a lot of people to say we don't have time for things. And so that is a thought. If you opened up my brain and looked inside that you would see that I'm trying and it takes a lot of work to switch your thoughts to to the truth. And the truth is I have enough time to do all the things that I really need to do. Yeah. So I was wondering for anyone that might be listening, that's like, huh, maybe I do believe that. How do you kind of practice noticing that in your day-to-day life so that that thought isn't driving away from you? I know that you're in the process of switching out of that, but 
where are you at in that process? Kind of what are ways that you check in with yourself? One of the practices that I do that I've always found very helpful is some type of journaling. And I know people say, oh, journaling. I don't have time for journaling, right? That's the first thing people are like, I don't have time for that. She's talking about having time and not having time. I don't have time for the journal. But I, yeah, yeah. Every night I do, I have a little journal by my bed and it could be, and it's not every night. So I'll be honest, maybe four times a week I do this, but more often than not, I do this because I found that by any type of writing reflection, it, it brings these things to awareness because I have always been a person, I'm a writer, I'm an author. I process and I learn and I discover by writing. Like to me, writing is not an act of recording. Writing is an act of discovery. So if there's something in me that is bothering me and something doesn't feel right, I will write until I figure out what it is. That's actually how I figured out I was in love with my husband. Like I came home from a date with him and I was like, what's wrong? Like something's not right. I'm bothered. And I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote until I realized, holy crap, I'm in love with this guy. That's wow. what's bothering me. And so like, I've always known that that writing will get me to my truth. And so that's why I do it. It's because it helps me find the truth. So at night I do a little check-in, maybe two or three bullet points or maybe two pages. It doesn't really matter of, you know, how the day went and, and my thoughts just kind of come tumbling out. And that's where I discover some of these things. And because it's written in a journal, occasionally I'll flip back through and you'll start to see the patterns in your thinking and be like, well, this is the same thing I was struggling with two months ago. And so that's one of the ways that I do it is I, I have a journal. I also have an accountability group that I'm part of that I check in with every weekday. So Monday through Friday, we have a Slack channel that we're on and I check in with them and I tell them how I'm doing and they tell me how they're doing. And we also meet live on Zoom every other week to just talk about how things are doing. So I think having some sort of accountability built into your life is really helpful if you're trying to change a mindset thing because mindset things are very slippery, right? They're not visible. And so having the journal gives me a way to keep accountable to myself, but having the accountability group gives me a way to be accountable to other people. Mm -hmm. And so between those two things, it definitely helps me move toward that goal of thinking in the, in the more positive and productive and true way that mm -hmm. I want to think. Mm -hmm. I love kind of how you lay that out too, like that you realize for yourself that writing is so impactful. And one of the things that there will be a solo episode on, so just check it out. It should be in the next few about this idea that how do we find what works for us? How do we find the way that we get things out of our brain, out of our pre-wired beliefs and move it out? And there's a lot of research that I'm super excited to share that talks about kind of diving into your learning style and then using that to figure out what method to use. So check that out here coming up. But Rose did that because she is a writer. That is like how she engages the world in so many ways. She's a blogger and she wrote an amazing book, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. But she found the thing that worked for her. But I love the idea of accountability. And I know that everyone listening knows that I talk about this a lot because our thoughts are so hardwired and we may feel the discomfort of them, but we don't even know that they exist because they're so there. And so having that group that says, 
wait, 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 wait. You believe what? And not in a shaming, like your stupid way, but in a, oh, let me offer you this hope of a different thought that you may not even know is possible. And I think to kind of go along with that, another thing that I'm doing with the accountability group is I'm speaking it out loud Mm -hmm. because I think the way that you change a thought is you have to get it out of your head. And the first way you get it out of your head is you speak it out loud. So today, just me talking to you about the fact that I want to work on my time scarcity mindset, the fact that I'm talking to you about that is moving me toward being able to do it. Last night, I was talking on the phone to my mom. I was having the same conversation with her. I was talking to her about how I feel like I don't have enough time, but I realized that that mindset is actually keeping me from getting things done. And so I was speaking it out loud to her. I will probably have the same conversation with other people because every time I talk about it, I'm moving it more into the reality where that's not the way that I think anymore. So I think with anything that you want to change in your life, you just get it out of your mind and you start talking about it, but you don't talk about it in a complaining way. Mm. Talk about it in a way that this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm changing. I'm changing the way I think about this. And that makes, that's basically changing your reality every time you're speaking it out to other people. So much truth there. So much. So, because I also want to get to this whole minimalism thing, because a lot of people have questions about it. Why don't you tell me, because I think there's a lot of maybe distorted thoughts about what is minimalism and what was your journey to minimalism and kind of how does that act in your life right now? Well, my journey to minimalism was a very personal journey. Like I said, I have three kids and so they're all the same age. So when they were born, obviously my life changed significantly. And when they were about two years old, so I stayed home for a couple of years with them. But when they were about two years old, I say I ran back to the workforce to save my sanity. So I went back to teaching full time because I could not I couldn't handle being at home with baby triplets all day long. So mm-hmm. now I'm I'm teaching full time plus coming home and doing the second job of being a mom and suddenly I realized wow the work life balance struggle is real, right? Like I can't seem to get everything lined up so that I feel good and at the end of the day when all I wanted to do was relax on my couch, all I was doing was picking up stuff for an hour or 2 hours before I dropped into bed at night. And I realized what I really wanted to do at the end of the day was read a book or relax or watch TV or something. But I never got that downtime because I was dealing with my physical possessions. And so my, my thought was, well, why don't I buy a bigger house? I thought our house is too small. That's the problem, right? I need to buy a bigger house. But luckily for me, before I got to that step of buying the bigger house, I talked to a friend and I was kind of talking about, you know, our house is too small and the kids have all this stuff. We got too much stuff. I'm dealing with this stuff all the time. I don't know what to do. My friend said, well, why don't you just become a minimalist? And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing you could become. I I thought it was just monks in Tibet who live like that. I didn't realize that normal people live like that. Mm -hmm. So I started reading some blogs. I started reading some books and I was like, okay, this is the thing. I'm just getting rid of all the extra stuff that we don't need. And as I did that, it took about eight months total to get through my whole house. But as I did that, I started to feel this amazing sense of freedom. Mm. Suddenly, I felt like I had my, my time back. In the evenings, because there wasn't as much stuff, I didn't have to pick up as much. Or the kids were able to pretty much pick it up themselves because it wasn't overwhelming. The dishes were easier because there weren't as many dishes. The laundry was easier because there weren't as many clothes. It was like all of a sudden, everything, when people would come over, I didn't have to clean up 
because the house already looked clean. It wasn't technically clean. It was decluttered. It's a difference. Mm -hmm. But it looked clean, which was good enough for me, because Mm -hmm. there, there wasn't much to put away. And so I suddenly realized that this was a really freeing experience. So I started writing about it. I started blogging. Um, just personally about what I was doing. And then that kind of turned into a business where people started asking me to come to their house to help them do this. So I eventually left teaching, started my business coaching people in their homes. And then that has has blossomed. Now I coach people virtually. I teach online classes. I have a book. I have a TED Talk, all of these different things that have kind of resulted from that desire in my own life to have more freedom, to have more control over my time. See, we're circled back to time already, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted that free time and what was absorbing it was the excess possessions in my life. So that's kind of how I came to this. And that's why I'm passionate about it because I really feel like the less things you have, as long as you have what you use and love, your life is going to be great. You're going to have what you need, but you have even more because you have the freedom to pursue the things you really, really want to do. Because I don't think anybody really wants to spend their time picking up toys and shoes and sippy cups and going through boxes of stuff in their attic. Nobody wants to do that. But a lot of us are spending a lot of our time doing these things over and over and over every day. Yeah. Well, I think it is interesting because I think so many of us speak the lies to each other, that that's just normal, that yes, you have to fight a battle against socks. Like that's one of the battles in my house. And actually we just moved. And like, that was something very intentionally when we moved, I was like, I will no longer fight a battle against socks. I will develop a system. We will have just enough socks, but not so many that they can be scattered everywhere in my house. And there are still socks to wear because there's a loveliness to the scarcity of socks. Somehow then they end up in the right laundry basket and they get done. And I've started effectively matching them. So I know if there's a missing sock and, and this was a brilliant idea from a friend that I had never heard of. Probably everybody else does it. I have a mismatched sock bag that I committed to going to through like, once or twice a week. And if I get to an end of a month and the socks are still mismatched, then they go away. Because what was happening before when I didn't have like a specific location for the mismatched socks, they would go in the drawer waiting for their match to come. And I found mismatched socks that I know we had had since the last time we had moved three (laughs) years before that had never been thrown away because I just always stayed hopeful that the sock would come back. But (laughs) developing a simple system has made, and I know it's socks, guys, but it really has actually brought joy and (laughs) reduced overwhelm in my life because I no longer walk through the house muttering about all the socks on the floor, like in the corners or hidden on the couch, because that I will be honest, I'm the like mom that like is like, what are all these socks doing here? Why are they all over? Like, why, how are you still wearing them? (laughs) I think it's wonderful. And I think, you know, something that you said really resonates with me, which is you take better care of your things when you have less things. Mm. You know, my kids have one water bottle each. 
they each have one water bottle. So they're not losing their water bottle all over the place. Or if they discover that they don't have their water bottle, they're kind of panicked and they're dedicated. Like I have driven my kids back to the baseball field to get their water bottle. Cause they're like, oh my gosh, I left it. I know I don't have it. If I had a cupboard with, you know, 30 water bottles at their, you know, beck and call that they could just grab, there would be no reason to keep track of that one water bottle, right? There would be no real consequence, just like with your socks. Like there was no incentive for your family to keep track of them because there was just a plethora of socks that kept showing up, right? So I don't need to keep track of them. I don't need to be careful with them. And so I think there is that truth that the less we have, the better we take care of those things. And I've seen that in obviously not just socks and not just water bottles, but a lot of things. You could extrapolate that to really any possession that you own. Yeah. I talk a lot on the podcast about creating mental and emotional space. And one of the ways that I know you speak to that is that the impact of minimalism, of simplicity in life. I think people hear minimalism and they, like you, think monks with one outfit that they wear for 25 years. And that's not, I mean, you say if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, don't pick that route. But I think I love the idea of simplicity and just how do we create a life that allows for that joy and that freedom that we all long for, and yet we fear doesn't really exist in our day-to-day life. And I, and I won't say that it's a magic bullet or it's like a 100% cure, but the one thing that I notice from every client and student I've worked with is that they always say, man, I feel so much better. You know, when I leave their house or we end our session or at the end of my course, they say, I just feel so much better. I feel lighter. I have greater peace of mind. I'm happier. So when when we think about minimizing and, and simplifying, it's not really about how your house looks. It's about how you feel in your home. If your home is making you feel anxious, if it's making you feel crazy, if there are socks everywhere, which is driving you nuts, it's not about the socks. It's about how you feel when you feel like you are in a chaotic environment. And so when you minimize and simplify, it just makes it easier. What it does is it makes it easier to maintain a calm environment because when you have tons and tons and tons of stuff, yes, you can create a calm environment, but it's probably going to take you four hours to get it to where you want it to be. And then, you know, if it was like my life, the next day it would all be back to, to ground zero. And then you would have to take those hours again to get it back to where you want it to be. One of my things is any room of your house should be able to be put to rights in five minutes or less. Hmm. Five minutes or less, it should be able to be put back to a, a place where you feel calm in that space. If it cannot happen in five minutes or less, you have too much stuff. And so that's another one of my general rules with my kids is I'm like, okay, we got to pick up the toys. I'm like five minutes or less guys. If we can't pick it up in five minutes, we got too many toys. And then they're like, oh, okay. You know, they start cleaning up really quickly, uh, but it's just true. And, and a lot of times with parents, the, the first time we do it, we go through, we minimize or declutter. Mm. It'll take four hours, three mm. hours to do that initial big purge and that big sweep. But the idea is going forward on a daily basis this should not take you more than five minutes to get it to pretty much close to this state. And if it's taking longer than that, then we might need to do a second sweep through here because there's still too much stuff if you can't get it back in that five-ish minute time frame. Yeah. 
And I'm still on a journey to this. But what I will say, having gone through this, especially with my kids, we did a big purge. I was already doing this. And then we found out we got to move. And that was awesome because it allowed for some more. And one of the things that I recognized and I thought would probably happen, and I would be curious if other people have recognized this as well, is when we got rid of the toys, they actually play with their toys more now than they did. So before I would feel mom guilt about like, oh, I'm going to take away their toys and they're the ones that they love and all of the things. By the way, we found an entire bin of toys in the garage when we moved that we just gave away that I had done a simplicity thing like two years ago where I was going to switch them out like halfway uh-huh. through the year, but totally forgot about because... <laughs> They had still too many toys. So does that happen to other people when you work with clients? Do their kids actually play with their toys more when they have less of them? Yes. I mean, and there's plenty of research that would support what you're saying, which is when you simplify the amount of toys. So so there's a general rule that when it comes to toys, the child should be doing more work than the toy, which is why the classic toys are usually the ones that are the best, you know, blocks, Legos basic stuff, basic animals, basic dolls, like those simple things that kids can really be creative with. I remember when I first started this journey, like I said, my kids were two years old Mm -hmm. and I decluttered the toys and because they were two, I didn't have to ask them, right? They were so little. I just did it myself. And so I had this little game that I would play with myself and I would say, okay, I'm going to set out a ridiculously small amount of toys, like less toys than I think they would even ever consider playing with. It's going to be such a paltry offering, right? They're going to just revolt. And I would just see what happens. Like I would put out like a wooden spoon and like three balls. And I will tell you, they would play for hours. It was fascinating. It was fascinating to see that no matter how many toys, I always tell parents, you know what? No matter how many toys you have, your kids will fight over them. They will play with them and they will fight over them. You could have an entire garage just stuffed to the brim with toys. Your kids will play with them and they'll also fight over them. Or you could offer them one bin of toys. Your kids will play with them and also eventually they will fight over them. So it doesn't really matter how many toys you offer your kids. They're going to play with whatever is offered to them. And research shows they're going to play more creatively. They're going to engage more. They're going to have deeper play. And it just does make your life so much easier as a parent, because I know when I talk to parents, one of the number one things they struggle with is toys and the amount of toys that most American children have today. Yeah, so, so true. I will tell you this quick story and then we should probably wrap up. But, okay, so we just moved and the one thing that my kids got upset that I did not bring over in the move, though they could recreate, was their plastic bag filled with paper, like just random pieces of paper that they had created to play Newsies because they're obsessed with the Broadway version. (laughs) They're little and they go trancing all over the house in the backyard saying, papes, get your papes. And they were like, where's my papes bag? And I'm like, uh, I mean, it came like the packers packed it. And I was like, when I was unpacking, it was like, we do not need this. And that was only thing that they noticed was missing. We got rid of like three quarters of the toys they had in their room. Wow. Not one question about it, but the papes bag, that was a thing. 
Well, it just shows you that this was something that they had engaged with, right? Mm -hmm. They had created it. And I know my, my daughter in particular is a very creative girl. And so her craft table is right next to the recycling bin, which wasn't really planned. But basically what it is, is she kind of has a never ending supply of things to create with. So Mm -hmm. she's going in there and she'll get out like, you know, the plastic container that the spinach came in. She turns it into a fountain. She'll get out yogurt containers and make them into all sorts of things. So it's really, really creative play. And I'm not actually purchasing any toys. I'm just providing things in the recycling bin that were in there already. So I'm not surprised that that is the toy that your children latched onto because it, it had a very deep creative meaning to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one final question and then I'm going to ask you where people can find you. And then also, I know you have something that if someone is listening here today and they're like, I want to start, but I don't know how. So I'm going to ask you about that as well. So if that's questions going through your head, stay tuned. Uh, Okay. So I know it's still kind of early where you're at, maybe midday. So if you don't have an answer to this question for your current day, maybe answer it for yesterday. These are the three questions that I ask everyone because I think they're really important, mindful questions for us to teach ourselves to look for in our day-to-day life. So, Rose, what did you learn today? What did I learn today? Maybe I would need to answer this for yesterday because there you go. It's it's better because it is. It's only about noon here. I'm like, have I learned anything today? So I think I'll repeat sort of where we started. Something that I learned yesterday was that I have enough time to have fun with my kids. Hmm. And I think that that's something that as a busy mom, I'm always like, I've got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. But I've made an effort on the weekends. We actually made a long list of family fun activities that we could do. And so every weekend we pick something off the list. And yesterday we all went to the park and we played this game called grounders that they usually play with their friends at school. We played it on the playground and it was really fun. And I'm like, I always have time to have fun with my kids. So that's something that I learned yesterday because I don't think that I always have enough fun with them. Mm, Okay. And either for today or yesterday, who did you love, like actively love? I had a snuggle moment on the floor with both of my boys where they were both on either side of me. And they're like, mom, you put your arm around me and you put your arm around him. And we were just laying on the floor snuggling. So that was actively loving both of them, especially because one of them is very much a uh, physical touch love language kid. So he always wants to be snuggled. Even at nine years old, he will take a snuggle anytime he can get it. I so hope my kids still want to be snuggled at nine. <laughs> they will. I think I have three, at least one of them. Oh, I, yeah. I, the middle one's always going to be snuggly. He's me in <laughs> a mini form. And what made you laugh? What made me laugh? Oh, I'm sure that my kids did something yesterday to make me laugh. That's kind of a hard one to think of on the spot. Something that made me laugh yesterday. You know, playing the games at the park, mm-hmm. it was, I did do a lot of laughing. We actually also played a little uh, football, a little two handed touch football. One of their friends came up and joined us. And, you know, when you're doing stuff like that, and I'm not necessarily a sports oriented person. But it is, it is just fun when you're actually playing a physical game. And I know we were laughing and like, oh, I got you. No, you didn't get me. And so, yeah, so the football game made me laugh. That's awesome. Okay. So where can people start if they want to take this journey? 
So if people want to get started on my website, I have a free resource. It is called the minimalism starter guide. And what it is, is it's not, I think a lot of times when you find things online, it's like, oh, check this checklist of things that you need to do. And I hate those because not everybody needs to do the same things. Mm -hmm. When I work with my one-on-one clients, we never start the same place. So I created a tool where people can go on a tour of their own house And they can check out all of their things. And it focuses a lot on how you feel in the different spaces of your home. And then I have you rank them in a certain way based on your own assessment and observation. I have you rank them so then you have your own checklist of the things that you need to do to get your home to where you want it to to be. And the way that you find that is you just go to my website. It's roselounsbury.com. That's R-O-S-E-L as in lion. O U N as in Nancy S B as in boy U R Y rosalansbury.com and you can find my starter guide there. We will also have that linked in the show notes for anyone that didn't have their pen and paper right there. So that will be helpful. I actually now want that, so I will probably go get that. Go get it because I'm like, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I should order where I start. Okay, so thank you, Rose, so much for joining us. Where else can people hang out with you besides your starter guide? So if you go to my website, you'll find links to my Instagram and I'm at Rose Lounsbury on Instagram. And you can also find links to Facebook. So I am on Facebook at Rose Lounsbury as well. Awesome. And if you guys are looking to hang out with an authentic group of people that's taking this journey and are talking about things like simplicity and minimalism and things like we talked about in the episode, as well as everything else in your everyday mind, I'd love to have you join us on the On Purpose Life and Business Facebook group community. We can't wait to have you join us. So until next week, have a great and mindful day.